Well, if you spend any time on the internet, at least on the corners of the internet that I find myself in, then the biggest news this past week wasn't the protests in Israel, or the war in Ukraine, or the Trump indictment, or the strikes in Hollywood. The biggest news by far was Barbenheimer. For those of you who don't know, last week two movies hit the theaters and produced record-breaking box office results. Folks, because these two movies on the surface couldn't have been more different from one another. On the one hand, you have the Barbie movie, bringing to life the classic Barbie and Ken dolls in a bubblegum pink summer flick. On the other hand, you have Oppenheimer, a dark biographical thriller about the creation of the nuclear bomb. The internet erupted with jokes about Barbie people versus Oppenheimer people and debates on how to see both films in one day. Do you start with Barbie and end with Oppenheimer or vice versa? One tweet read, my Barbenheimer itinerary. 10 a.m. brunch, 12 p.m. meditation, 2 p.m. Oppenheimer, 5 p.m. costume change, 5.30 p.m. nuclear disarmament, 6 p.m. Barbie, 8 p.m. karaoke, 2 a.m. bed. And while as a rabbi I'm always hesitant to make controversial political statements from the Bema, I'll make an exception today. The Jewish way to experience Barbenheimer is to see Oppenheimer first and then end with Barbie. And I'll tell you why. This past Thursday, we commemorated the saddest day on the Jewish calendar, Tisha B'Av. And while the classic joke about Jewish holidays is, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat, Tisha B'Av is the stark exception to this rule. Tisha B'Av is, they tried to kill us, they did, let's fast. We have no lack of sadness in Jewish history. In fact, the history of the Jewish people seemingly reads as a Russian novel, a long, overwrought saga, page after page of narrowly escaping extinction and destruction from the destruction of the temples, the banishment from nearly every land we've ever found ourselves living in, to the ultimate tragedy of our time, the Holocaust. And you would think that our Jewish calendar and the rhythms of Jewish life would reflect this deep sadness. Day after day of mourning for all we have suffered and all we have lost. But Judaism is actually not that at all. Most of our calendar is filled with celebration and joy. Each week we celebrate Shabbat where we come together with great food and family and friends to live out a taste of 25 hours of perfection. We are a people of tremendous hope in spite of, or maybe because of, all we have endured. But Tisha B'Av is the painful exception. On Tisha B'Av we wallow for 25 long summer hours in utter despair. They keep asking their mothers, where is bread and wine, as they languish like battle-wounded in the squares of the town as their life runs out in their mother's bosoms. We sit on the floor in darkness, chanting Echa, lamentations, immersing ourselves in truly the most heart-wrenchingly sad poetry that has ever been written. And you want nothing more than to look away and find some relief 
but for 25 hours, no relief can be found. You must wallow in utter sadness and despair. And then the 25 hours is up. And you break your fast, and you go to sleep, and you wake up to a new day. It's stark, as stark as a Barbenheimer double feature. And immediately after Tisha B'Av, you have today, Shabbat Nachamu, the Shabbat of consolation. From the utter despair of lamentation to these comforting words. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and declare to her that her term of service is over, that her iniquity is expiated for she has received at the hand of God's hand double for all her sins. We've all experienced moments of despair, some of us far more than our fair share. The loss of spouses, parents, and God forbid children, debilitating illnesses, chronic pain, and depression. There's no lack of despair in our world or in our own lives. Rabbi Shai Held, one of mine and Rabbi Marcus's beloved rabbis, wrote on Facebook this week. He wrote, when I was a kid in yeshiva, I was ta taught something that turned out to be extremely damaging to me. Crucially, as I got older, I learned that it was also not true. I was taught that when something bad happened, no matter what it was, you were supposed to bless God and assume that all was for the best. We were taught to venerate the Talmudic sage who, upon hearing news, no matter how devastating, would say, Gam Zulatova, this also is for the good. And then my father up and died one day when I was 12 years old. My world was shattered in every conceivable way, and there was no way I could declare that the nightmare I was enduring was for the best. Sadly, my teachers were of no help. They told me to have more faith. I concluded that if faith required lying about how awful something is, I wasn't all that interested in having it. It wasn't until I was an adult that I encountered, truly encountered, the Book of Psalms. The title, Tehillim, which means praises, is potentially misleading. To be sure, there are many psalms of praise, many of which play key roles in our liturgy. Think of the psalms that comprise Hallel, or Psuche de Zimra, for example. But the largest genre in Tehillim is lament, which in some ways is just a fancy way of saying complaint. Rage, sadness, fear, all have prominent places in Tehillim. Personal, Psalm 88, why, O Lord, do you spurn me, hide your face from me? And communal, Psalm 44, awake, why do you sleep, O Lord, wake up, do not spurn us forever. I mention all this because I think it's crucial to understand. Judaism makes abundant space for us to acknowledge that we're hurting, whether physically or emotionally or both that we're lonely or scared or angry or grieving. More than that, the Psalms make it clear that God cares about our hurt and our loneliness and our fear and our rage and our grief. It's okay to tell God about all that. Honesty in the presence of God is not a vice and can be a virtue. It's okay. It's not antithetical to faith it can even be a profound manifestation of deep faith to say, I am hurting, 
and I need healing. Judaism is remarkable because it's a religion that makes space for despair. It's a religion that tells us that, that there are moments when life sucks, when we are in true pain, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, that cannot be fixed by looking on the bright side. And Judaism tells us that those moments are not moments lacking in faith, but potentially moments of true faith. Our Parsha this week begins the Et Chanan, a word of tremendous and painful longing and pleading. Moses pleads with God, with every ounce he has in him, please God, let me into the promised land after I've dedicated my entire life to this people, to this journey, and to you. Let me complete it to the final destination, the land of Israel. God's answer is swift and blunt. No. This moment is tremendously painful. A lifelong journey and mission, Moses has dedicated everything he has and everything he is to reach this moment. And despite all his pleading and begging and praying to God, the answer is no. How many times do I hear as a rabbi, Rabbi, I cannot have faith in God. I pleaded with God, I prayed to God with everything I have, and my prayer went unanswered. The fact that the story is in our Torah is nothing short of remarkable. This isn't a story of prayers answered and miracles and signs of wonder and awe leading us to faith in God. This is a story of no of an unanswered prayer or a prayer with an answer that would be nearly impossible to accept. And Moses recounts this story to the people of Israel in our Torah portion today. If you are someone who has experienced unanswered prayer, the prayer for healing that ended in painful death, the prayer for love and partnership that ended in loneliness, the prayer for a miracle that ended in painful and mundane reality. Today's Parsha is for you. Our tradition doesn't ignore you. It tells you Moses, our greatest leader and rabbi, is sitting there, right there with you, in your pain and despair. But it's not where the story ends. Our Parsha this week teaches us, do not let your story end there either. Moses continues, and our Parsha is filled with the most beautiful articulations of faith, a recounting of the Ten Commandments, a retelling of the wonder and awe of Revelation, and finally with the ultimate declaration of our faith, the Shema. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Our rabbis ask, what is the meaning of this final word, echad, one? If it's telling us that God is our only God, it should use a different Hebrew word, levado. God is our God, God alone. Our rabbis word read this word, echad, one, as a declaration of not only our faith, but love, our one and only with all of the distractions in the world pulling our attention from our beloved, we start and end each day with the Shema, with the declaration of love. From the depths of despair, Moses stood up and declared love. 
There will always be Tisha B'Av. There will always be pain and despair that is both unfathomable and all too well known. The key to faith is being able to hold that pain, to acknowledge it and see it and know that it is real, and at the very next moment, to be able to say the Shema. It isn't something that can be explained with logic. If it could, it wouldn't be faith. It's being able to be angry and hurt and sad and disappointed in God and to somehow also feel that God is sitting there with us in that very pain. God is both the cause of our pain and our greatest comfort. Today marks seven weeks to Rosh Hashanah. From the depths of Tisha B'Av to God's coronation day, from Oppenheimer to Barbie, the journey from despair to love is quick and jarring. But it's also real. That's life. And the amazing beauty of our Jewish tradition and faith is that it makes space for both. You are never alone. God is with you in the pain, and God is with you in the love. Your only job is to reach out and feel God's presence. Make space for God in your life. Pray the Tehillim, the Psalms of Despair, and pray the Shema, your declaration of love. If you do, then on Rosh Hashanah and throughout the year, God will be with you.